This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, before we get the show started, Horse Radio Network for the first time has a wide selection of Horse Radio Network merchandise available for the holidays. Hats, saddle pads, masks, clothing, mugs, and so much more, either screen printed or embroidered. Get your orders in now for you or your HRN listening friends. Visit horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner on the homepage today. Happy holidays, everybody. This is episode 44 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Bates Saddles, and Cashel Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we are talking to Martin Whitley and why he has chosen the retired racehorse of choice for his falconry partner. Leandra from New Vocations joins us with another training tip on how to move your horse forward and introduces our adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. How are you holding up up there in Michigan, Kalamazoo? It's cold AF. That's that's (laughs) all I have to say. I'm I'm already over winter, and we haven't even technically gotten to it yet. Oh my god, it's still fall. Yeah, it's time for you to move south. Um, but you do have something uh, like a special bonus going on right now, just in time. I do. My barn manager is one of the most lovely humans, and I will be sending many baked goods to his family as he's been by himself building an indoor arena since June, all by himself. And it's massive. It's 80 by 100. So wow. it's it's a massive undertaking, but he's done it all on his own with a little bit of help here and there. But yeah, it's almost complete. And I'm, I'm one happy girl. We had our first snow. All my horses are officially blanketed. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So it, it's going to be nice to have that this year. Last year, we had a lot of melting, raining, freezing. And so it's so much ice more than snow. So this year I'm very optimistic that we'll have a place to to keep riding. It's nice to have an indoor for the, you know, roof cover, but main thing is to have good footing, you know, to have consistent dry dry footing. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm really excited for it. Um, And I've been fortunate enough since it's primarily just finishing putting the siding on at this point and we have to do the electrical for the lights he's allowed me to bring my horses in. So I've gotten some extra special treatment for sure. Um, so I've been desensitizing them to it and everyone, but my Morgan has handled it really well. Like my thoroughbred, she's like, this place is awesome. I think she likes the consistent footing in there yeah. and it's also very close to their barn. So it's, it's a next plus for me that I don't have to walk very far to get to it. Awesome. And so she loves it. Max, Let's just say he carried his tail so high out of anxiety that his fat rolls were showing on his butt. I'm jealous that you have (laughs) thoroughbreds that have fat rolls, but your chestnut mare is the diva that she should be and appreciates Mm -hmm. having an indoor area to go work. So that's awesome. She's my princess die. She's a happy girl. (laughs) (laughs) But what about you? You've had some exciting things happening for you. And I, I think one of them involves the Queen of England. 
You said Princess Di. Jogged your memory, I guess. <laughs> the new season <laughs> of The Queen is out and Princess Di is in it. Yeah, I did. I got something really special in the mail. If you haven't heard on Horses in the Morning, we talked about it a little bit with Monty Roberts. I got a letter from the Queen of England and yeah, that happened. So to get a letter from the Queen of England and it says that... Her Majesty the Queen, as patron of Join Up International, has been graciously pleased to recognize Jamie Jennings representing the United States of America for extraordinary efforts to reduce violence in the training of horses and let her and her dedication to assist veterans and first responders with post-traumatic stress by adopting Monty Roberts concerts, concepts and initiatives. So I'm reading it from my phone. It's so tiny in the picture. So I get to go back a couple times a year and work with veterans and first responders, teaching them the concepts of join up. And then to also have these horses coming in off the track and retraining them. I mean, what an amazing experience to get a letter from the queen of England. Like, and I'm supposed to go once COVID is over to oh Buckingham Palace to like meet the Queen. What? That's Who amazing. Does that? Oh. That that's just that just shows your dedication, though. And you know, as someone who's got to watch your journey from when you first started even exploring getting your certification with Monty Roberts, then going to school and learning your entire process, it's just been really cool to follow you on this journey to see how you've been using it. So way to use your powers for good, Jamie. Oh, well done. thanks. You know, I like <laughs> to think of this and to say that to people that have a, you know, if you have a goal, you know, this one took several years to achieve. And if you have a goal, but it's going to take a long time, get started because time's going to pass anyway. You might as well be working towards it while time is passing. So if I can say anything to anybody, you have a goal or a dream, go for it. The mine was to get certified. Maybe yours is to, I don't know, go back to school. Time's going to pass anyway. So carpe diem, seize the day, get it done. I love it. And I'm so proud of you. Congratulations Thanks. on that. Thanks. But- going to be a good show. I'm really excited. We did have a a little bit of a technical difficulty with our first guest, but luckily he was actually in Horses in the Morning. So we'll have Martin Whitley on. This is going (laughs) to seem weird. So basically we've been trying to call Martin in England and he's having some technical difficulties. Mm -hmm. And he, again, is going to talk about off the track thoroughbreds and he uses them in his falconry. But fortunately we had talked to Martin. Oh my gosh, it was four years ago now, but five years ago, but He's still doing the same thing. So I, I just, we just decided to cut and paste that one and put it in here. So you're going to hear some voices you might not have heard or people that are new to you or whatever, but that is uh, the way we're going to roll. We thought it was worth revisiting. So we're going to have Martin Whitley on from the horses in the morning in 2015. I know it's weird, you guys, but hang with us here. But first let's hear from our title sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. 
Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. You know, when I used to, when I started my acting career and we started at the Renaissance Fairs, one of my favorite people that used to come in was a falconer. And he used to bring the coolest birds in and used to do demonstrations. And let me tell you what, there is nobody that's a chick magnet more than a falconer. A guy with cool <laughs> birds. There are a thousand women standing around waiting to talk to the guy with cool birds. And we have one of those guys on with us right now. And his name is Martin Whitley from Dartmoor Hawking in England. Good morning, Martin. Good morning to you. And we're oh so God. glad you could join us today. Uh, you know, I, there aren't a whole lot of falconers left in the world, are there? Probably more than you think. Yeah? Okay. Yes, yes. They're not huge numbers, but there are a lot over here, and it's growing on your side of the world, too. Well, now, how did you get started in falconry? Um, I, I started it as a hobby. My late first wife sent me hunting with hawks, and I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, got my own bird, carried on from there. Um, been about 14 years ago, my first wife died of cancer, and it's a change of life, so I decided to do falconry for a living. And I sort of carried on from there. How do you make a living? Are you teaching? Is, is it the same way we do with horses? You're, you're teaching falconry? Is that how you make a living out? Right. I can do anything. I can take someone like you out who's never met a bird, and by the end of the day, you'd quite happily be flying my bald eagle um, to yourself. I can teach people falconry that actually want to take it out over themselves. I can teach people to take, fly hawks from horses. And if you want to, I can take you out hunting with birds. So you can actually catch your own supper. So now you, uh, so you've been doing this for a long time, and you have, according to your website, and and uh, you're you're near Dartmoor National Park. What part of England is that for for all the those in the United States who don't know? The bottom left hand corner. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. So now you're. <laughs> that's exactly what I was looking for. And you're at Bowie Castle Estate, which sounds like it's beautiful. It is absolutely glorious. I'm, I'm looking over the estate at the moment because I'm having to hide in my truck while I talk to you because my barn full of birds is a bit noisy. So I'm looking over across at Bubby Castle, which is a great big mansion house, 64, 64 bedrooms. And you have access um, to 15,000 acres for flying and hunting? Yes, I'm very lucky. I farmed in the area. Over here, we don't have state-owned land as such, so everything's privately owned. But I used to farm in the area, so I went to school with everyone, or I went to school with their sons, and it's just getting to the stage now I went to school with the fathers. Um, so I've got access to a huge amount of land to fly on, so I'm very lucky in that. And what kind of, uh, what kind of birds are you using now? Um, I have everything from a little owl, which weighs in at four ounces, up to a bald eagle, which weighs 12 and a half pounds. All right, wait a minute. A little owl that weighs four ounces and it's fully grown? Yes, it's fully grown. It is probably the bird I keep that can inflict most harm and suffering on people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, sh I should explain. Yeah, the, the owls, are, we don't use the owls for hunting. They're sort of ornamental. But this little chap, he can do nasty things. He, he flies down the aisle and deliver, um, delivers people's wedding rings. He condemns people to marriage. Ah! Now, that, that's nasty. 
That's funny. So I we have the full backup service. Our bald eagle is a bit aggressive. She comes in later. She does divorces, mother-in-laws, that side <laughs> of things. We, we we see the whole process all the way through. <laughs> so obviously you do demonstrations and things and shows with your birds as well. Yes, yes, yes. So the yeah, bald eagle, obviously that's something that we're partial to over here in the United States, and we have some here that we've seen flying around our neighborhood. They're becoming more prevalent now. They're making a comeback here in the United States, especially down here in Florida. Are they easy to hunt with? Are they easy birds to work with? Or, you know, what, what are the easiest birds and what are the more difficult ones to hunt? Right. Um, my bald eagle, we don't take my bald eagle hunting. She has issues. The biggest thing she's ever caught was a six foot two, two hundred and fifty pound golfer playing golf on the golf course down the bottom, and she knocked him out cold. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> it was only a it was only a golfer. It wasn't a normal person. <laughs> Jamie's um, uh, husband would be happy to hear that. I, I have to say that in her defence, it was only a golfer. So, um, yeah, she 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 has quite a few issues. So she we don't take her hunting because of what she might catch, or yeah. who she might catch. Um, but we have a golden eagle. We hunt with her. She will take anything up to the size of roe deer, which are forty five pound deer. So um, a bird can take out a forty five pound animal. Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought? And now, are the are there certain are there certain birds that are just easier to handle and are more cooperative? And there, there, there are um, a, lot, a lot of my teaching work, and a lot. If, if you were to come over me and you wanted to catch your supper, I would take you out of a bird called a Harris hawk. Now they originate from your side of the world again, but they're social. They live in hunting family groups. So once they're trained, they like you. They act, they actually like you and see you as part of their gang. How do you keep them all? Are they kept in like a barn or are they, are they kept they, in they, cages? They live in a big barn. I've, I've got a big yard set up here. I've got hawks and eagles on one side. I've got horses on the other side and dogs running around in between. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about the horses and how they come into play with falconry. Right. I mean, the, the horses, it's a means of transport, really. Dartmoor is one of England's few wildernesses left and it's wild, rough country. It's lots of rocks, lots of bogs. Um, so to get a reasonable flight, and you need to get into the middle of the moor and the quickest and easy way of doing that is use a horse. Now, the hor- to do for... Sorry? Yeah. I was just going to say the horses get along with the birds. I mean, they figured that out pretty quickly. Probably four out of five horses would never do falconry. Um, they'd, they'd be oh, too really? scared. You, yeah. you're, you're trying to combine the sort of ultimate flight and panic animal with the ultimate predator. So it can be quite intimidating for horses. Sometimes the smell puts them off. Sometimes the flapping puts them off. You, you need a good, sensible horse. You know, if you, and the one I'm using at the moment, he's the only horse, as far as we know, in the country who's actually will have an eagle with a seven foot six wingspan fly up to him without batting <laughs> wow. him. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's not too many horses that would do that. I'm looking at a picture of you with one of your horses. It almost looks like a thoroughbred. It is a thoroughbred. We've got a second thoroughbred in off the track. Thoroughbred's perfect for it. They, If you get the right one, they're very quick on their feet. Now, if you're galloping across Dartmoor trying to get up, keep up with a flight going on at maybe 60 miles an hour, you don't want a horse where you have to place its feet everywhere and ride it. You've got to be able to look up the sky and you know, hope the horse... Can, keeps itself up. So thoroughbreds are very quick on their feet. The nice one's very easy to control. They're just, they're just lovely, perfect for it. 
And have you found, now that you run this school, and it's the Dartmoor-Hawking, and is the number of people wanting to get into falconry increasing? Is it uh, something that's becoming more popular? It's becoming very much more popular. Half half my life is spent persuading people it's not actually as easy as it looks. If you come to me, you'll think you're great at the end of the day, but you're working with birds that have already been trained. You know, it's quite a big commitment. Um, I mean, I will come up here to my barn. I'll normally get up here about 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm lucky if I'm away 7 o'clock in the evening, and that's seven days a week, 365 days of the year. Wow. I mean, these pictures are just absolutely incredible. And so you offer like a a day school or something? So like Glenn and I could come out and have like a falcon lesson? Yep, you could come along in a day. I would have you flying hawks, probably not an eagle, but quite big hawks to, to horse up on Dartmoor. That's oh, my cool. gosh. <laughs> let's do it, Glenn. Let's do it. Let's I know, I know. But, but, but people who are a bit more adventurous and take you up there to actually go hunting with them as well from a horse, and that's really fast and furious. Oh wow. But that, that needs to be in the hunting season. We can, do, we, can take, have... we can teach you to fly a hawk all year round, but hunting, we are limited by seasons. Have you ever had, and this is silly, but uh, had one of the hawks get a little too aggressive with your horse, like land on the horse or do anything like that, or are they pretty, we've, pretty good about it? We've had horse, hawks land on the horses. My, my ho- the horse I will actually use at any stage has to work with it. I don't know the photos on the website, but I got a lovely photo of him the other day. He was out in the field, and I was training a young hawk, and my perch had been knocked over, so I used the horse as a perch. <laughs> so I had a young, young hawk flying back and forth onto the horse and then back to me. And the horse is completely oh loose. Wow. But he, mean, is, he is quite is, a special one. Yeah, he is quite a special that goes one. Against, that goes against nature. I mean, they're supposed to be afraid of these things. That's absolutely great training. How, how exactly do you start that? How do you start the, the, the hawk being next to the horse? Right. Well, if I go to see a horse, I, I actually got my last one by mistake. I went to see him for somebody else. They, they told me after I'd been seeing my phone, that say, I've got this horse, found this horse for you, it's perfect for you. And they said, well, actually, we brought one yesterday. The way horsey people sometimes do to you. Uh-huh, you know? yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know if you have the same problems over your side of the world, but... Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I thought, actually, I quite liked him. So, you know, he was, he was looking for a home. He wasn't making it as a racehorse. So, I said, I'll have him. Brought him back here. Settled him. First day I rode him, I got on his back. We thought, right, we'll see what he's like. We're going to take a horse, hawk next to him. We thought he'd be okay. He didn't bat an eyelid. So about 10 minutes after I first sat on him at home, I was carrying an eagle on him. Oh, my god! But he is quite a special one, this one. Not Normally we do a slower introduction process, but you can tell within about the first five minutes whether a horse is going to be worth carrying on working with as a falconry horse or not. Wow. You know, so, they, they either will or not. If, if you've got to do too much to get the horse ready, it's never going to be reliable enough. I am looking also at your website, and I saw the fact that during a wedding, I could, like my wedding, I could have had an owl fly yeah. down the aisle with the wedding ring and deliver the wedding ring to the groom. Are you kidding me? No, we can do that. I'm, that's my nasty side coming through, obviously. <laughs> Um, <laughs> is this a popular thing for weddings, or is it just it, starting it's out? Coming very, it is becoming very popular. <sighs> yeah. So cool. 
And that's the so, little four um, ounce owl, the tiny. What what is the name of that one, by the way? What 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 breed is it's that? It's called Peep. Peep. He lives in a he lives in a big rabbit hutch and looks around the corner at you to see what's going on, see if he wants to come <laughs> out or not. Uh. <laughs> that's funny. We have a lot of red-tailed hawk here, and we get to we actually where we live in Florida have a lot of hawks, so we see them every day. So we get to see them working too, and that's kind of neat, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. And they're so they're so brazen here now that they'll sit right on the fence. We were out driving the horses yesterday, and we're about four feet from one, and he's just sitting there on the fence, never moved. And and they're they're really getting, you know, a little more brazen that way, I guess here uh, where there's a lot of people. Uh, but it is really cool. We have a ton of owls too here now, and I, more than I ever have heard before. The screech owls and and the the regular barn owls and stuff. Well, bird, bird of prey numbers are coming back, and you know, in areas where there's a lot of people, and they realise people aren't going to hurt them, you become fairly irrelevant in their scheme of things because they're, they're, they're quite basic creatures, birds of prey. Everything is food, fresh or irrelevant. So you sh- you should be quite irrelevant. You shouldn't really be registering in their scheme of things. You know what? That's a perfect uh, way to consider me irrelevant when one of them, a hawk, dropped down out of the tree on my property and grabbed one of my chickens when I was like 10 feet away. It had no care that I was there. Yeah. I was, as you said, irrelevant. It wanted the chicken. What type of hawks do you use? I'm sorry. Right. The Harris hawks, which I'll use to train you with, but they're, they're short-distance flyers. They're not fast. They catch things like rabbit. But if I was actually taking you out hunting with a horse properly, we'd fly either my hunting eagle, Artemis, over two pointing dogs, or we'd take you out hunting slight with smaller falcons, or the absolutely creme de la creme of falconry from horses is flight at crows up on Dartmoor. Now, it doesn't sound very special. You have to see it to believe it. Crows, the falcon we fly, I mean, these birds can dive at over 200 miles an hour. (laughs) They they are fantastic. Straight line flight, 50, 60, maybe up to 70 miles an hour. Now, they're much faster than the crows we fly them at, but the crows are much more agile and maneuverable. And you get what's basically an aerial dogfight, and you can get a flight that can go on for one, two miles across Dartmoor, all up in the air above you. Visually, it's the most stunning form of falconry you could ever see. Oh, my gosh. You know, Jamie's um, husband is a fighter pilot, Martin. So, you know, he, for him to watch that, you know, he does that every day for work, right? So for yep. him to watch that would be amazing for Chad to sit and watch that, I think. Even uh, more amazing you tie a horse in it. It's, well, they go back to studying these birds when they're designing jet fighters because they haven't made anything that has the full capabilities of one of these birds yet. You know, right. we can go faster in outright speed, but not, not in maneuverability. Well, let me ask yeah. you this. I have a question for you. I've been, I want to ask somebody. I'm so glad you were coming on today. We have all the hawks and owls here, which means we have very few in our neighborhood bunny rabbits. You know, we live in a equestrian neighborhood that should have tons of bunny rabbits. Well, I, we figured the hawks and the owls were the reason we don't have a lot of bunny rabbits. But we have a million squirrels. Do they not? Do squirrels just taste horrible? Why, why, is, why aren't the hawks eating the squirrels? Right. Our red tails will take squirrels, but the problem is with squirrels is squirrels bite back. Uh. Um, but, and I just had a bit of a mix-up with a squirrel. Not going to. I would say, you know, I've been flying birds 28-odd years. 90% of my vet bills in that time has been squirrel bites. Oh, you know, really? The bird's caught a squirrel wrong and it's turned around and bitten it. Yeah, I you didn't know. know that. 
Squirrels are nasty creatures, is what you're saying. They're so not. I knew it. Getting them by the, <laughs> they sit right outside <laughs> Jennifer's window when she's recording, and they 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 stick their finger up at me. Is what they do. Yeah, yeah they yeah, taunt her. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, the problem with squirrels, if, if a hawk gets it by the head, it's fine, but they're always tensed by that little bushy tail going wag, 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 and that yeah. leaves everything else free to come around and bite them. Well, that's good. Okay. Now I know why there's so many squirrels. <laughs> no rabbits. Okay. I, I just, I'm going to sum this up right now by saying the only thing hotter than a guy with a falcon is a guy with a falcon on a horse, and then to even top that, a hot guy on a horse with a falcon with your accent. Oh, my gosh. I'm in love. <laughs> You know, I bet you, I bet you, Mark, <laughs> Harry Potter had to make your business go ten times to the roof. The Harry Potter series had to help your business. Um, no, the Harry Potter business, goes, that actually caused me no end of problems. Because over here, you could buy a bird off me quite legally. You could, you could come and buy my bald eagle, who would like to try and kill you, off me and take her home with you. So oh, we had no Harry Potter caused a huge problem with people going out and buying owls, and then not looking uh, after them properly. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Kind of makes... the, the, the price of snowy owls, which Harry Potter's owls, went from £150 to £700 overnight. Wow. Well, I'm glad yeah, to I know that Americans that. aren't the only ones prone to that kind of behavior. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, this has been absolutely enjoyable. What's the website where people can go see the pictures and find out more about it? We have a lot of U.K. listeners if they want to give it a try. Um, it's www.dartmoorhawking.co.uk. Dartmoorhawking.co.uk is the website. We'll post yep. it on our Facebook page as well at Horses in the Morning on Facebook. And this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions from kennel bags to horn bags and everything in between. Comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit CashelCompany.com. As we always do here on Retired Racehorse Radio, we have to talk to Leandra from New Vocations to talk about very dreamy, adoptable horses. Plus, we like to surprise Leandra with a training question. Hello, friend. How are you? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure you guys are busy. Are you getting tons of winter weather yet there in Kentucky? Not tons. We get into the high 20s every once in a while and some 30s, but as you adjust to the warmer weather, it can feel very wintry even at that level, although I know many people experience much worse. Yes. We were talking to Joy earlier there. They've got their indoor arena almost finished right in time for Michigan weather. (laughs) Yes. We had our first snow. It's uh, winter is coming. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, the question I wanted to ask you, you know, again, Leandra is our resident off the track thoroughbred expert because she sees, I don't know, hundreds, you know, a week. So the question for you was when you are retraining a horse and you're getting it off the track and you're starting to put rides on it, you know, a lot of these horses, well, most of these horses haven't been ridden with legs down past 
you know, the, the stirrup flaps. So they don't really understand what moving off the leg is. So what are some exercises that you will do for one that is just coming off that encourages them to go forward and understand what legs mean? That is a great question. So if you have one who really needs the desensitizing component, because sometimes you, especially when they're young, it can seem like a whole new world. And of course they're all young, but just some horses, they just are a little more touchy to things. So I always say it's a really good idea to just start if you're working with them on the ground and they know the basics of lunging to start them in the tack that you'll be using for riding. And then if they are being lunged in a saddle, drop your stirrups down. And if you need, you can sort of use bailing twine to tie it near the girth, kind of like if you would to try to help a kid keep their leg steady. But I have a pretty light stirrups anyway, or heavy ones will do just fine too. It's just depending on on your goal. But what that'll do is they can have their natural movement. They, if they understand the other components of lunging, they can feel that longer stirrup, which they wouldn't feel in the tack that they have necessarily for racing, but maybe with their exercise riders, they're going to be used to some level of feeling some leg, just not really in the racing condition. So sometimes ones who have trained a little bit more and maybe race less, it just depends on what sort of background they have going into it for their comfort level, but that will help you assess and you don't necessarily have to be on their on their back for that and maybe be a crash test dummy in that instance. But Hey, here's a, here's a hot tip for you, by the way, instead of using bailing twine, what you do is you take an English stirrup leather and you feed it through the offside stirrup and then twist it a couple of times so their leg doesn't get caught through it and then feed it through the other one. And then you've got what holds them down. And it's so easy to have that English stirrup leather. So that's something that I definitely, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. And then, So, so that helps desensitize the hotter horses. What about those mm-hmm. horses? And for some reason I have an influx of them now, which is why I always la- I like to ask you, what about the horses that literally won't go? Like they're the like, I don't, I don't know what that means. You put your leg on, they almost kind of suck back a little bit without, yeah. you know, breaking out a whip on a three-year-old baby. What are some things that you would suggest doing? Well, definitely using your seat and getting them used to that. So you, you kind of have to act like a little bit of an ice cream scoop with your seat and sort of like try to egg them on like that. And that'll help you, but really redirecting them when they have this brain fart where they don't want to move forward. If you're asking them to gently move into a circle and sort of expand your circle, like you're spiraling out, that can help to just redirect them sometimes. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying about using a whip, I mean, rather most of them are familiar with a whip. So sometimes even just carrying it so that they have the association of leg moving off because they they understand whip means go, but you can carry the whip and just have it as a tool, not necessarily using it on them, but sort of just lifting it up if you're using leg and they're not moving off. So you can use that if you're comfortable with it, but otherwise redirecting their attention will work miracle. So if they're planting themselves and kind of acting like donkeys and they don't want to move forward, a lot of times I'll ask them for a big gentle circle and try to spiral out Mm -hmm. and ask again. And if they plant themselves again, do the same thing. And most of the time, if you're 
you're being consistent with your ask and trying to be as clear as possible in that way, they're going to get, it's going to be more work to do the circles and to do that spiraling than it is just to move forward. So you're going to be consistent and patient in your ask because that's how the reprogramming side works. You, you want to keep whatever your ask is consistent mm-hmm. and patient, and that'll help them to understand that connection rather than trying to always change your ask because you're going to confuse the message along the way if you do that. So depending on what you're comfortable with, whether it's using the whip, spiraling out, using your scooping ice cream cone seat, um, or some combination of it, whatever works for that horse, whatever you're sort of making a breakthrough with, stay consistent and patient, and they'll make the connection. But they're all a little bit different with what works. So it's good to have a bunch of different tools in your back pocket there and then just stick with whatever works. And you'd be surprised how how quickly that message gets through most of the time. For those of us who maybe have horses who are very sensitive to whips Mm -hmm. or even choose, they just choose, they don't want to ride with one. What about vocal commands, like things from the ground that maybe you can train a horse to move forward with? Oh, absolutely. And you it's the same sort of thing, just repetition, consistency, and patience. If you can train them to make associations the same way that they have to at some point learn what the whip means, you're just using your vocal cue, a, a another tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that can be a very powerful tool, the same way that we can train them to um, increase or decrease speed on the lunge line without using anything else. And there are different tactics you can use the this sort of pitch if you're saying asking for a decline in speed you know using a lower voice and like there are there are definitely strategies people can use but more than anything making that consistent so Mm -hmm. using repetition with patience and just being as clear as possible so that the wires don't get crossed you're going to be able to reprogram the ask or make your ask clear with that strategy, no matter what your ask is, whether it's using a tool, using your own body, or using something like a vocal cue, you absolutely can use it just depending on people's preference level. Excellent. And Leandra, may I throw a curveball at you during these questions? Here we go. So so let's say you get your horse moving. And we're going to think about the the average amateur rider at home as a trainer maybe does it. If they're timid with that sudden moving forward, do you have any exercises for the rider, even if it's a, a mental suggestion to have or a mindset suggestion where they don't necessarily pull back on the horse right away because it might be too much movement forward? Do you have any recommendations mm-hmm. for them? Yeah. And well, that's one of the reasons I like the spiraling out technique is it's often difficult unless they're, it's, it's more difficult for them to move rapidly out of it because you're asking for a total velocity change. So it's like speed and direction rather than just speed and straightforward, which is a lot easier to sort of go up into. Um, So that's, that can be one to stick more with if you're more timid or um, don't know how your horse is going to react. So that's one that I utilize a lot with all the different horses we have here, especially the young ones. And then um, I would say for just comfort level, 
your number one thing is always going to be confidence and, and stickability. So those are obviously difficult things to work on. If you have somebody who can help you do things like sit on your horse um, with uh, limited reins or having that somebody work you on a lunge line without reins, those are things that are going to help your seat no matter what. And Honestly, more than anything, if you have a solid seat, you're going to be able to handle those things moving forward. So if you can do it with the comfort of somebody holding a lunge line while you're on the horse and you can drop your reins or use limited reins and sort of play around with that, it's going to be your best tool no matter what. It might not be the answer that you're wanting to hear, but balance, confidence, those are going to be tools that are going to help you in a lot of different facets. But otherwise, just using strategies where you're mitigating risk like the spiraling out technique um, are going to help you a lot because as we all know, your horse feeds off of your comfort level. So if they're, if they're sensing your fear or your discomfort, then they're going to react in that same way. So which just plays off of their own evolutionary traits of being herd animals. So if they, they can't say, Hey buddy, there's a tiger coming, you know, they're sensing it through the nonverbal command. So the more, nonverbal confidence that you can transmit to them, the better off you're going to be in the long run. So um, while you're becoming more confident, if this is a young horse or one, obviously if you're experiencing this situation, it's one who's going through a retraining process. You, you learn a lot about the horses as you go along and then you can sort of play with their boundaries, um, stress testing them, I like to call. And once you know the parameters of the, the stress testing, it, things are going to become a lot easier, but obviously stress testing them can end up in a lot of different ways. So your number, your, your two top tools, I would say are your own confidence, which are, is going to be also a byproduct of uh, the security in your own balance and your own seat. I hope that is that kind of what you're, you're getting at. That was a great answer. I think you gave a lot of (laughs) solutions for people out there. I just, I always think it's when you talk about a moving a hot horse, especially that's what I'm more used to than anything. That first time when they start to learn off the leg, it can be a kind of sudden jolt and your natural instinct is to want to pull back and you've just punished your horse for doing what they're supposed to do. So sometimes it's nice to touch both for rider and horse. So great answer, Leandra. Honestly, that's, we have some horses who really like to grab at the bit and you don't want to grab back. And so one of the tools that I use is is to use circles. Um, If you can fit in as many circles as you can, that's a great way to kind of make them reduce speed without necessarily just pulling right back at them. So you can, you, the whole point is that you can try to use your, a very loose rein and excessively loose rein and just ask them for repetitive circles because it becomes a lot harder for them to try to exert speed at a circle so they are going to intrinsically have to slow down and you can sort of get them almost like bored with the routine of it. So you're encouraging, you're getting them used to the slowing down without touching their mouth at all, because you don't want to get in that, in that argument. So I I use circles a lot in a lot of different ways, laterals and circles. I go back to uh, a lot. And that I, I think if you can use circles to your advantage, it not only makes your horse change their mindset, refocus their attention, but you can use it to your own advantage in a lot of different ways. Um, and I will add also, because I am a huge, um, 
violator of this, just like many of us are, is is always keeping your eyes up. If you can have a target that's way ahead of you, um, and keeping your eyes up is also going to help your balance and help you when you're in a situation that you're not anticipating. Because if you're looking down, we all know that that sort of tends to be the place where you go. That's when you start eating dirt. Um, <laughs> so I'll add that one on top because I'm constant, still constantly reminding myself to keep my eyes in the skies. Same, <laughs> same. Thank you so much, Leandra. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby! And now it's time for the new vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. So let's talk about our adoptable horse of the week, unnamed Sally Ride 18. Is this a hot horse or is this a horse who needs a little more push to go? Well, you know, he can be sort of both. And that's not uncommon for the two-year-olds. And that's, uh, they, they really keep you on your toes. So This horse is horse- only two? Oh my God. Yeah, he no. looks like a <laughs> seven-year-old warm blood. I mean, this is a ridiculous. Yeah, he's got really nice bone to him, and he's yeah. just around 16 hands, and obviously he's going to grow more, but he's funny, just like a lot of the two-year-olds where they have goofy sides, they like to test people because they're trying to figure out where in that hierarchy they're going to be, so he will sort of test your your fear reflexes at time. If you're a less confident handler, he could sort of try to sneak his way in that hierarchy to higher position because he he would like do a mini rear and think that he's like acting like a tough guy, Mr. Flashy, but he really has nothing behind it. So when we, we generally just do very light work with the two-year-olds but he, so when we've worked with him under saddle, he can be like a sack of potatoes and then he'll get distracted by something, but he's really, there's, there's no bite behind his bark, I should say, but he, he acts goofy. He really will test you, but then you put him under saddle and he's remarkably focused and balanced for a horse's age. So it's, it's, um, I guess you can never really totally figure them out until they're a little bit older anyway. They all have a little, lots of maturing physically and mentally to do at that age, but he, he's a little bit of both worlds on that scale of, um, of fixed to the ground and then a little more spunky. But like I said, super balanced. Even when we're doing yeah. this at Liberty work with him, he shows a remarkable amount of poise and just carriage of himself, but he's got a great understanding of all the core principles that you want of a horse. So he's got bravery, he's got um, balance, he's got rhythm, all of those things that you'd look for in a young, young prospect. He's touches all those bases. Um, but he's also just, he's a fun horse to be around. He has a really goofy personality. And if you can appreciate that, and they're kind of the person who can take a joke with a horse, that he's he's going to be a really, really neat horse with time. Well, I mean, he um, is two years old. That is it. At right. two, to be under saddle walking around. Yeah, definitely. Whoever adopts him, give him some time. I mean, can you imagine trying to run a horse that's this big at two already? And he's going to grow no. so much more. Uh, yeah. So that's great that he has no races under his belt. He was at the track, but. They didn't uh, get him there. And the bonus is you get to name him because he is registered yeah. as a thoroughbred. But he, the reason he's unnamed Sally Ride 18 is because the dam was Sally Ride. She, he was the 18, 2018 full. And they never, a lot of times I feel like from what I understand, people 
want to run them through the sale unnamed because a lot of people want to name them themselves. So oh, pretty, pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pretty cool. So unnamed Sally ride 18, a beautiful gray dapple gray sick. We probably, we should have thrown that in dapple gray. Oh, yeah. 16 hand gelding, two years old. You're already riding him around on the farm. He's traveled quite a bit. So I think he's only got one way to go and that's up. So Leandra, as always, thank you for coming on and answering our training questions and talking to us and presenting us with a horse that we all want. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Bait saddles are the saddle brand that truly put your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Bait saddles are the saddle brand that truly put your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Bait saddles offer you many features you don't find in other saddle brands, including the external flexi contour block system, which is anatomically contoured to your leg, allowing it to ride in and behind the block to support your individual position for maximized comfort and security. An adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, which allows effortless rider alignment to be achieved by altering the position of the stirrup bar, enabling you complete control over your preferred riding position. Many styles are available, including the new Bates Dressage Saddle, the Bates Victric Show Jumping Saddles, and the Bates Advanta Venting Saddle. It is the official saddle of the United States Eventing Association. Learn more on all bait saddles at baitsaddles.com. That's baitsaddles.com. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. Make sure to check out Jamie's Facebook page, Fly Over Farm, Jamie Jenny's certified Monty Roberts instructor, and her email is jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com, or you can find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. I did a handle change. Look it's at called you. rebranding. Well, all my <laughs> things are food and horses. Why not? Why not? Uh, thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Bait Saddles, and Cashel Products. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and gald. Bye, guys. Bye.